Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome. I'm so glad to be with you here this morning on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, it's just a pleasure. And I always like to welcome everyone, but I also like to always give a special shout out to second time guests. We are so glad that you are here with us either in person or watching online. Uh, so this week I have been thinking a lot about learning to drive, like the process of learning to drive. Do you remember those moments? Like we have a few teens in, in our church here who I've known since they were babies and they're at this place where they're learning how to drive and it's kind of making me feel both old and really excited. Uh, in my house, I think about how I learned to drive. Like my parents started with like, okay, you can pull the car out of the driveway. Like we can go around the block. You know, remember like when you were probably pretty young, like you could sit on the parents' lap and drive. Uh, and I was thinking about how much concentration it takes to do those things. Like radio off, closed-toed shoes, no talking, definitely no other vehicles around, the whole thing, just to drive in a parking lot, right? Foot on the brake, shift to drive, D for drive, right? Check it, D, D, I'm in drive, drive, ease off the brake, gentle on the gas, like it takes so much effort. And then you start to master driving in parking lot circles, practicing pulling into the spot when there's like literally no other cars around and you still can't get between the yellow lines. And then someone says, okay, we've gotten this under control. Let's go drive on real roads now with other cars. And then once you get comfortable driving on the road, someone then asks you to like drive downtown. Although Gino tells me that his driver's ed took place like on Lakeshore Drive. Like that was his first moment, which I think is crazy. And then the next thing you know, you've mastered driving on the road, but now somebody says, let's practice parallel parking. Some of you are still working on that, right? <laughs> and then I remember for me, um, when I had been driving a few years, I was a pretty decent driver, uh, I bought a new car and lo and behold, it was a stick shift. And I remember thinking um, for the first couple of days, I'm going to have to return this car. Because I worked at Jarling's Custard Cup, and the road to Jarling's Custard Cup include, included a stoplight on a hill. For those of you who know how to drive stick shift, you know that this is a challenge. And so I remember that when I could see that the red light, I would stop at the top of the hill. That would, so all these cars were honking at me, but I knew if I had to stop on the uphill, like it was over. This manual car would die. It's hard to learn to drive. But one day, we get into our car, a manual one at that, and we drive with the radio on, eating our Mickey D's, maybe ha passing a fry or two to the kids in the back, and then we parallel on a busy street like a boss. What changed? Well, driving becomes automatic. It becomes internalized. And I was thinking through this sermon series on one another, and I was thinking about how I wish the topics that we've covered and that we are covering would become more internalized and more automatic for me, like self-awareness. I wish I was just more internally self-aware than I really am. When I heard the sermon about responding well when others fail, I feel like Gino actually wrote that, that sermon to me on a conversation that we have in our marriage. I don't post too much on social media, but I wish I was more it was more automatic for me to do like Jordan does when he writes out that pre-Facebook post mantra. If you didn't get to hear that sermon, I recommend going back just to hear that portion at least. That part is just golden. 
or serving others. I just don't typically or automatically think of serving others first or as often as I should. Put simply, I wish one anothering was more internalized for me. And to be honest, I think that one anothering is especially hard for me because I'm a strong introvert. I like to be alone, the one minus the anothering part. <laughs> now, I love people, and I love the people. I have, like, the best friends in the whole world. But I admit that sometimes I'm not good at it, and sometimes I just don't have the energy for it. Sometimes one anothering makes me feel like a 15-year-old on the first day of driver's ed with no prior experience. And maybe you can relate. You might be able to relate that one anothering is hard for you, or that one aspect of one anothering is hard for you. God wants us to do life with others. He knows that our best lives involve other people, even if it's not automatic. In fact, what is automatic or internalized for us are selfish behaviors, right? We're automatically able to think of ourselves first. We're automatically able to fight or retreat or pop off. Those things come really easily to me. The most natural reactions, the most internalized behaviors are often the things that can cause the most harm to others if left unchecked. And over the last few weeks, we've been highlighting the ways that we can reflect and identify areas where we can grow and do better. Tools and reminders on how to make one anothering more a part of our lives, more a part of who we are. And so today, I want to talk about how we can internalize one anothering by looking at someone who did it best. Now, let me clarify by what I mean by internalizing. To go back to my driving examples, I want to take us from 15-year-old on the first day of driver's ed with no prior experience to a solid 40-year-old driver, maybe with a few tickets, maybe a few dings in the car. I'm not trying to take us to self-driving car. I believe that if we start to practice the, the car of one anothering, we will get better at it, but we will always have a role to play. Remember, not self-driving car, just good driver. It can become more internalized. And Gino began this series with a look at Romans 12, and it says in Romans 12, it starts off by saying, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love this verse, but I also love how Eugene Peterson writes it in his paraphrase of the Bible in the message version. I want to read that for you, too. Romans 12, 1 says, So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. 
It's a call to place our lives before God, to acknowledge that because of his perfect design, in view of his mercy toward us, we are living sacrifices for him. It is when we place our life before God, when we become a living sacrifice, that we internalize one anothering. If my life is a holy sacrifice, it changes the way I think about my time and how I use my time. If I am called to stand out and be different from the world, I stand out and stand up against injustice. I walk humbly in my school or my workplace. I show mercy as I have been shown mercy. I grow in maturity because I am being shaped by my creator, readily recognizing what he wants for me and my life. Now, if you're like me, you've been listening to these sermons on one another and you're like, cool, cool, that's great, I got this. And you um, implement this, you're like really good into the parking lot on Sunday. Like you are kind, you are, you are good with your social media posts on Mondays, you help your, your neighbor on Tuesday, like everything is smooth sailing. Uh, by Wednesday, you've blown up at your coworker and you posted a nasty review of a local restaurant tagging them in the post and publicly vowing to never eat there again with 12 exclamation points and posting the picture of the 17-year-old manager who did you wrong. <laughs> on Thursday, your small group meets and so they help you kind of get back on track and you ask for forgiveness. <sighs> but by Sunday, you are like dragging yourself into church, worn out, messed up, having failed in some areas when it comes to one anothering. Listen, this is the reality for many of us. As we imperfectly walk out this Christian life, we can struggle. And the recipients of our flaws are often the people with whom we've been called to love. Like, what hope do we have? Well, by ourselves, we're hopeless. Sorry to break it to you. We are completely and utterly lost. We may get some things right for some moments of our lives, but in truth, we are sinful beings in need of a Savior. If we want to one another well, we need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And when we choose to live God's way, we gain access to this Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us. Romans 5.5 says, For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In John 16, we hear from Jesus' mouth that he is leaving, but he is sending the Advocate. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so what are the benefits of a life attached to the Holy Spirit? Well, Galatians 5.22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is this not the crux of one anothering? I would be the best of the best at one anothering if I have the fruit of the Spirit. And if we are to live this way through the power of the Holy Spirit, I think we have to internalize some key behaviors that Jesus Christ himself displayed. We have to one another like Jesus. And so today, I want to take some time to pull out four specific ways, an example, specific ways that we can one another like Jesus. Ways that we can look at his life and use it to shape our actions and behaviors. Ways that we can look at the Bible and the instructions within to inform how we show up in the world. Because Jesus set the ultimate example of one anothering well. In essence, Jesus walked the earth and showed his disciples how to one another like him. 
And so, as modern-day disciples, we want to do how Jesus did. And so, if you're here and you are considering becoming a follower of Jesus, like, this would be a good starter. Like, this would be a good place to kind of look at some of the behaviors and actions. If you're a lifelong believer, I think that this will be important for you to go deeper, to, like, perfect some of the actions of one anothering well. We need to one another like Jesus, and one way that we can one another like Jesus is to see like Jesus. When we look at the life of Jesus Christ, he felt a certain way toward people. He had a specific attitude toward people. Philippians 2 captures this attitude by saying this. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Verse 5 says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So how do we walk out this attitude? Simply, we need to see people how Jesus saw them. His eyes were open to the woman at the well. We see that story in John 4. And then in John 5, we hear another story of Jesus seeing the paralyzed man at the pool. Luke 17 tells the story of Jesus seeing the ten men with leprosy. This is Jesus. He's walking around and he's seeing people. He's undistracted. And I think being undistracted is an incredibly valuable part of seeing people like Jesus saw them. Pay attention to the people you encounter. Practically, this means doing things like looking up and looking around. Putting down your phone. Smiling and acknowledging the presence of other people. Looking at the server when they ask for your food order. Or better yet, saying hello to the server when he comes to your table. I once read a parenting article about how important the first few moments are when you're doing things like coming home or picking your kids up from school, like those first interactions. And it talked about like how to be like present in those first few moments. Like what would it look like if you just took five minutes when you came home from work to like look at your children? Or when you pick them up from school, like if they if they hop in the car, like what would it look like if you just took 30 seconds to like turn and acknowledge their presence? See them and see people like Jesus saw them. Another way that we can one another like Jesus is to welcome like Jesus welcomed. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. These verses are so clear it's kind of hard to dismiss them, right? Remember that scene, and this might be a little bit old for some of you, remember that scene in Forrest Gump when he gets on the bus and he's walking down the center aisle and everyone replies that the open seat next to them is taken? Right? It, it's, a, it's a powerful scene in that movie, but I think we all probably have some version of that from our own life. Like where the lunchroom table was filled, there was no space for you, Maybe even right now you're remembering a specific moment where you were made to feel unwelcome. Maybe it even happened as recent as last week. I can still remember to this day a situation that happened to me in fifth grade at St. John's Lutheran School 
where I was not welcomed into the playground circle. All these years later, even as I just said that, like I get goosebumps and my stomach drops. And maybe you're having one of those moments too. But Jesus was different. Not only did he welcome us into relationship with him, but he gives us examples of how to welcome others. Invite people into your home. Show hospitality and generosity to the people around you. Make a meal. Send a meal. Sign up for the meal train. There are likely dozens of needs that you could recognize in your life right now. And this can be lived out in various iterations, right? Maybe for you this means hosting a game night or a small group. Maybe it's inviting someone out for dinner or coffee. Maybe it's welcoming someone here at church by serving in the official capacity on our First Impressions team. There you go, Michelle, I'm getting people for you. Or the more informal element of just saying hello when people walk in, inviting them to sit next to you. People should walk in our doors and feel radically welcomed. In fact, I'm going to commission you all right now as unofficial First Impression team members. Job duties include smiling, saying hello, and making space for people to sit in your row. When we bought this building in 2018, we prayed that this would become a welcoming physical space where people would come and they would want to stay. And as Mandy mentioned, we are about to embark on another phase of building renovations where we are aiming to make the building even more welcoming and inviting. Being welcoming can change a person's entire experience. It can change how they feel about a church. It can change how they feel about Jesus. And being welcoming can also be a sacrifice. It may cost you something. In fact, it will likely cost you something to be welcoming. It might cost you actual money. Like when you give your money to invite somebody, you pay for dinner, you pay for coffee, or you host something in your home. Or when you give to nonprofits or you give to church so that they can create a welcoming environment that's air-conditioned in the summers and heated in the winters. It may cost you time and energy. You may just have to do some things that you don't want to do so that you can welcome like Jesus welcomed. Being welcoming like Jesus is precipitated by the knowledge of what Jesus has already done for us, the way we have been welcomed into his family. And that then reminds us to make space for someone else, to say, come sit by me, come join me. I want you to be a part of this circle. Welcome like Jesus. As we see like Jesus and welcome like Jesus, we also need to speak like Jesus. Uh-oh. Talk about one anothering well. We need to speak like Jesus. And this can take on some different formats. Like we can internalize the words of Jesus to help us craft language that, that we can use while we're one another. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. That's a key part there, right? Like, just as you are already doing. But it's also speaking like Hebrews 3.13 says, You must warn each other every day, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. 
We one another well when we speak like Jesus in a way that fits the occasion. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Knowing when to speak, knowing when to listen, knowing how to be a good friend or a good employee or a good sibling. I mean, if we were just to speak like Jesus 50% of the time, I imagine a lot of our relationships would get a lot better, and 50% is still a failing grade. What if we were to slow down and think about what, it, what we say? Like, what if we were to say, I'm going to take a beat, like those old, like, what would Jesus do? Like, what would Jesus say before I just let whatever is coming across my thoughts come out of my mouth. Uh, in our house, we had a certain, we had to use a certain phrase when we answered the phone or when we were calling someone else. I still do it to this day, but if I'm answering the phone, I will always say, hello, this is Shannon. And if I'm calling you, I will always say, hello, this is Shannon, is uh, Angie there? Uh, like it made more sense when we had house phones. Uh, but the phrase still exists in my vocabulary today. Some of you are thinking right now, like, that's right, she does do that when she answers the phone. Like, if I call your cell phone, even if I know it's your cell phone and you are the person who will answer the phone, I still will probably say, hello, this is Shannon. Is Angie there? Like, the words are so automatic. Even when people try and tell me to stop, they're like, hello, I know it's Shannon. It's your phone. Of course it's you. I, I literally can't stop myself. I'm like, hello. Like, it feels like, oh, I got to say it. I got to say it. The words are automatic. And I wonder if we might adopt and train our mouths to say the words of Jesus more automatically. If we might consider adopting phrases that make us sound more like Jesus. Not just the phrases, but also the tone and the affect. For example, as you consider how Jesus talks to you, I wonder if it might change the ways you speak to others. We could start adopting phrases, right? If we go back to the earlier points, if I see someone like Jesus sees people, and then I want to welcome them like Jesus welcomes them, I might say things like, here's a seat for you next to me, or come sit by me, or come join this small group with me, or things like, how are you doing? And then I would listen. Jesus might say things like, tell me what's bothering you. Or tell me what's going really well in your life. Jesus might see someone and ask the question, why are you crying? Even when Jesus is correcting or disciplining me, there are, there's still a tone in which he speaks to me. What tone does he use with you? And in our context as vineyard people, uh, we might also speak the words, how can I pray for you right now? Speak like Jesus. Finally, I think we want to one another like Jesus by loving like Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.15 says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Galatians 6, 2, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Ephesians 4, 32, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. 
the fullness of loving one another like Jesus loves is lived out by doing good to one another, serving one another, sharing our burdens, being kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Why? Because this is how Jesus loves us. It may not be easy, but it is out of the overflow of our gratitude for how we have been loved, the example that Jesus gives us, that we can begin to internalize one anothering like Jesus. And so why does this matter? When we look at one anothering like Jesus, one another, essentially we begin to live more on mission. In John 13, 34, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we one another like Jesus, we are showing the world that we are his disciples. And we can't do it on our own. But we can, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the reminder of Jesus' example, to see like Jesus, to welcome like Jesus, to speak like Jesus, and love like Jesus. Now, as I begin to close today, we're going to take a little bit of time to respond. To respond to what it may look like for each of us to one another like Jesus. A check-in of sorts, a reflection on how we're doing. And while the church on a Sunday morning and small group throughout the week are great spaces to reflect and inspect, I would say they are necessary places to respect and uh, to reflect and inspect. Uh, it's also necessary to develop a private practice of reflection and inspection, so that you can place your life before God on your own, on a daily basis. And so, when we give space to reflect, we give space to repent, to restart and re-engage in the life that God has called us to. And today I want to give space to do just that, a reflection on how we're doing at one anothering based on an inspection of seeing like Jesus, welcoming like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, and loving like Jesus. And I'm doing it during service today because this is Love University, where we are trained in the art of loving people well. And as we engage in these educational efforts of Love University, our Sunday morning experiences can be training grounds to talk about process and pattern and procedures, but today I want to do an in-class assignment. No take-home homework today. And so today we're going to practice and reflect together in the hopes that you will do it in service today and then take this home and begin a personal, private practice and reflection. And so here's what I want to do. So on the screen in just a moment, you're going to see the four categories that we've just discussed. And we're going to take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Your eyes can be opened or closed. You can write down your reflections or text yourself reflections as they come to you. And if you'd rather not engage in this reflection, that's okay too. Uh, in a few moments, we will invite the band up and we'll continue to, you know, close off in worship. But if you just want to, like, sit here in this reflection, I just want to invite you to do what works for you. If you want to check your work emails, you can do that as well, although I think you'll be missing out. So I'll direct us through the process, and so you can relax, you can get comfortable, and we're just going to pause in the presence of the Holy Spirit to just ask for him to speak to us on how we're doing. And so let's just all take like one big collective breath, like just breathe in and out.
And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We welcome the ways that you speak to us. And so as we begin, as we reflect on the four categories that you can see on the screen, I want you to pay attention to where you feel like you're doing well. And where do you feel like you are struggling? And just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight for you one of those four categories. We're just going to pause here and give space for the Holy Spirit to speak. My second question for you to consider as we reflect and inspect. When you consider one anothering, take a moment to think about an interaction with someone else that has happened within the last day or two where you saw, welcomed, spoke, or loved like Jesus. And where did you maybe have an interaction where you didn't do so well? How does God want you to respond? Is there anything he needs to clarify or correct? And as I invite the band to come up to close us in worship, my final question for you today, my final option, opportunity for you to reflect is, what is one I will statement you can walk away with? Consider what you can do today or this week that will help you develop a Jesus-like way of one anothering. Like, I will fill in the blank. I will speak a certain way to a specific person. I will welcome a certain way. I will love. I will see. Take a moment to think about that and consider where you will do really well and where that will you need more of the power of the Holy Spirit. Take a moment to make a plan to come back and meet with God again about this. Will you reflect again in 24 hours or maybe later tonight? What pattern of connection do you want to establish as you reflect about what 
Jesus did and how he one another and how you can one another. Internalizing one anothering like Jesus is something we need the Holy Spirit's help to accomplish. It is in partnership with the Spirit that we can become better at these skills. As we commit to this internalization, let us become more aware of the ways that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to see and welcome and speak and love. We need the peace of the Holy Spirit to help us when we need to forgive ourselves when we mess up. As we respond in worship, I want you to just continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your hearts. Think about when, uh, when we started this church, like our dreams and, and vision for like how we could partner with Jesus and bringing the kingdom you know, through the SSV. Like what could we do? Like what role could we play? And I feel like there's a, there's a lot of work to be done in this world. But like if we can just like commit to like getting better at being like Jesus, like we take that out. The tentacles of that is far reaching. We don't want to be just a church that takes care of each other. I think Gino sometimes uses the phrase like puppies in a box, right? Like we, we want to we take what we're learning here and go out and be Jesus the people around us because they desperately need to see what Jesus looks like. They need to be welcomed like Jesus would welcome them. They need to hear people say words to them like Jesus would speak to them. And they need to be loved like Jesus. And so let us commit today to be transformed to like continually re like reach back and reflect and, and take time to pay attention to the ways that we want to be like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come?